If you enjoy blasphemous humor, it turns out God has a podcast. It's called The God Pod, and it's co-hosted by God and Jesus. Or, I guess, hosted, if I have my theology right. God's basically tired of everyone taking cheap shots at him, and he wants to set the record straight. Along the way, he speaks with his buddies, as well as comedians, scientists, and other people who are all going to burn in hell. That includes me, by the way. I was on a previous episode debating God. Naturally, I won. And I also enjoyed another episode, a recent one, where he damns the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. You will have to uh, listen to learn why that made him so angry. You can't go wrong with adding the God Pod to your rotation. It's incredibly funny. There's never a dull show. Just search for The God Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like this show, we would appreciate if you would go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. $5 a month, you get bonus episodes and ad-free episodes. Mm-hmm. And... um. How are you? I'm fine. Are you going to edit out the fact that you almost forgot the intro, or are you going to leave it in? Nah, I don't. Okay. I don't do edits here. Honestly, that's um, fair. <laughs> I did want to plug a couple places. I will be very soon. Uh, the last weekend of August, August uh, 26, 27th, that weekend, I will be in southern Ontario for Baja Con. That's B A H A Con. That is in Sarnia, like right by Detroit. And also on the weekend of September 2nd, I'll be in Louisville, Kentucky for the Kentucky Free Thought Conference. So if you are in those areas and you want to come by, come by, buy a ticket. It'll mm-hmm. be good fun. It's weird. Uh, nobody invited me to the Louisville Free Thought Convention, I'll even though I'm a... stick you in my luggage. <laughs> I, I'm a famous advocate for Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to get your take on the Kansas abortion uh, non... <sighs> referendum like it didn't pass the opportunity to change kansas's constitution to ban abortion it was up for a vote during a primary for a midterm and they scheduled it on a weird date Uh and they made the wording so awkward that you couldn't really understand it i'm just looking up right now i really (laughs) wanted to read it out loud and because it is insanity it's insanity i mean you could parse it if you wanted to, but it's not like it said, are you pro-choice or not? That's the No, it was something very complicated. And yet enough people said, look, if you want abortion rights, if you support uh, a woman's right to choose, you got to vote no. Mm-hmm. And enough people did that. In Kansas, like a famously red state. Right. And it was like a 20-point victory mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the no side, which, which is, I- it wasn't just they won. They won. In a landslide. I believe, I might be wrong, but didn't they go like plus 20 for Trump in 2020? Uh, it was something in, like that. Like that like, neighborhood, maybe it, like plus eight or something like Democrats that. Democrats did not bother worrying about Kansas right. in the last election. Yeah, it's, it's not it's a like, battleground yeah, it's a, state. It's not, not even close. Even though they do have a Democratic governor <laughs> by the thinnest of margins there. I mean, it's like but, Kentucky, same thing. Like yeah. they have the Democratic. It, it, I find it really interesting. I'm sure somebody can like give me a good explanation on it when places that are generally blue have a, or, you know, generally blue have a red governor or vice versa. Like we're, Illinois is a pretty blue state, but we had what's his nuts uh, in the governor's office for a little bit there. What was his name? 
I, he's out of my head. Rauner. Rauner, the yeah. one whose uh, hand I shook and then yelled that I take it back because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I just had gotten to the Pride Parade and well, there was just a guy shaking hands. There were a couple things outside of just the straight up abortion question that I wanted oh, to bring I, up, but please go can ahead. Can I read the Yeah, the, read the, the thing? actual okay. constitutional so referendum it's thing. Regulation, I'm going to stumble over this because I haven't like practiced and this is Bananas. Okay, regulation of abortion. Because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion. It does not create a secure, create or secure a right to abortion. To the extent permitted by the Constitution of the United States, the people, through their elected state representatives and state senators, may pass laws regarding abortion, including, but not limited to, Laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. I went to a fugue state. I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> but yeah, like if you're supposed to vote yes or no on that. I think I just activated you know a Manchurian I mean? candidate somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get that reference? I do get Yay. that reference. But yeah, it's if you just walked into the like voting booth and you saw that and you were told, all right, is it yes or no? It's like, that was a yes or no question. Truly. So, I, the first time they were, I, they were doing it to intentionally confuse oh, 100%, people. hundred percent. Don't get into it. Yes. This was on purpose. And it, I don't know if it backfired because I, think I have the a problem, theory on that. Okay. Cause I think the problem here is that because we have so much of the, um, um, like so much of the language to deal with and we know, a lot of people probably didn't necessarily know if like, yes means I want to ban abortion or yes means I don't want to ban abortion. So to me, it's like, yeah, they went plus 20, but like how many of those people didn't actually vote for what they wanted to vote for? And to me, that just makes it harder to know if we actually could have done better or actually could have done much worse. Yeah, if it's just straight up, do you want to support abortion rights? It would have been a different outcome, but I don't quite know which way. One interesting thing to bring up, I believe I read this, which is like a fifth of the people who voted no, Mm. a good chunk of people here are independent on paper. And in Kansas, for the primary, you have to declare a party. You have to get the Democratic ballot or the Republican ballot, which means a whole bunch of voters said, I'm not voting in a primary for anybody or any office. Uh I'm going to the voting booth for this question only, because that's the Hmm. only thing I can vote for. And yet, so you're talking about all these people who have no stakes Mm -hmm. uh, for candidates in this election, but came out because they're like, oh, I'm voting no on this. Can I give a little um, context for people who might not be from the United Mm -hmm. States? So this vote fell on the primary for an off-year election, essentially. So our presidential elections are every four years. And no one votes in those. Nobody votes in those. <laughs> and then the um, uh, half, half-time... Yeah, the midterm elections, <laughs> midterm elections, even fewer people vote. So few people vote. <laughs> and then the primaries for midterm elections, even fewer people vo- yeah, vote than literally, that. if you can get so three people to vote... nobody's showing no up, let alone primary. somebody who cannot even vote for a nominee. Yeah. They only were going in to vote for this one thing. It was enough of a draw that the no side got so many people right. out on this it, yeah, issue got people, That's a big deal. Yeah, out of their houses. Something to bring up here. 
Another loser in this referendum was the Catholic Church as oh. an institution. The Kansas, this is from Religion Feels News like Service. Feels like a pretty sweeping statement to make. I know. The <laughs> Kansas City Archdiocese spent roughly $2.45 million okay. in order to ban abortion to get people to vote yes. Okay. Um, the Catholic Diocese of Wichita and Salina together spent another $600,000. Individual Catholic parishes across the state chipped in. So did the Kansas Catholic Whoa. Conference. They spent 100000 A conservative advocacy group called Catholic Vote raised about half a million. All of them wanted people to say, yes, let us change the Constitution in order to, uh, to ban abortion. Yeah. And they lost, too. And part of me is wondering, and by the way, the question was posed to them, like, did you guys misread your own people? Like, or what What does this yeah. say about the power of the Catholic Church in Kansas? Is and Kansas an especially Catholic state? It's a, it's a pretty... I mean, it's religious. It's a pretty religious state, which means it's going to be sure. a pretty Catholic state. But one of the executive directors of the Catholic of the Kansas Catholic Conference said, I do not apologize one bit for our advocacy, which is exactly what you would expect him to say. Um, he added, I need to do a better job of letting people know that the abortion question is not really the primary point of our advocacy Whoa. at the state capitol or D.C. Like downplaying how serious the Catholics. 27% are Catholic. Yeah. I did like, not realize it's that many. Downplaying how serious this vote was. Because sure. it's like, don't tie us to this thing. And I'm sure 24 hours before the vote, he was like, this is the most important <laughs> election of our lifetime. But part of me was wondering, do you remember like, Okay, in the 2020 election, mm -hmm. when Donald Trump lost, one of the responses, not just from the election fraud crazy people, but there were a lot of Trump supporters and Republicans who were like, I don't understand how Joe Biden could have won because everywhere I travel, everyone has a MAGA hat. Everyone has these Donald Trump stickers. No one was like going to rallies to hear Joe Biden speak. Right. And of course, the reaction from us is like, yeah, well, we don't belong to a cult. We don't <laughs> like he's fine. I don't he he's not what I base my life around. Well, I'll vote for him for strategic reasons. Your enthusiasm doesn't make your vote count more. Yeah. <laughs> if you hold your nose and vote for Joe Biden, it counts just as much as somebody who decks out their fucking truck in all Trump gear. Right. And same so, votes. Well, like, except for the think, Electoral College. I don't <laughs> think those Trump voters who realize, like, listen, in your bubble, sure, everyone loves Donald Trump, but you have no idea how much anger there is against Trump yeah. from all the rest of us who have had to keep this bottled up for four years with no outlet. Well, like, so many people hate this guy, whether or not they <laughs> like Biden, but, like, of course more right. people wanted to vote for him. But, but I think they're in a bubble. They don't realize how many people outside their right. bubble feel differently. I think the same thing happened in this abortion vote in Kansas, where the people who are anti-choice mm -hmm. live in this world where, of course, we have a chance to ban abortion. Yeah. Everyone in our circles Finally, wants to ban this abortion. this is the moment that we've been waiting for. We're in for. Kansas. It's a red state. Yeah. This is what we've been working toward. And it's like, no, you're... The polls say no one wants to ban abortion with no exceptions except for, like, the life of the mother. Mm -hmm. No one wants that. Like, the polls say that, and right. they always downplay the polls. Anecdotally, no one wants that. Republicans don't want that. Right. And yet, I wonder how many of these people were led, like, 
lulled into this false sense of, of course, we're going to ban abortion in Uh Kansas. And it's like, no, everyone really hates the overturning, what the Supreme Court just did. Mm -hmm. So many people dislike it. I don't think you have any idea, conservative, Republican, Christians. Like, you have no idea how much people hate what Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court just did. Yeah, and... I just pulled it up according to Gallup. Kansas is the seventh most Republican state, yeah. which is not a great sign for right. them. Right. There was actually, I, maybe it was the New York Times or something, they had a graphic where they're like, if other states voted the same way on this issue as uh-huh. Kansas just did, uh-huh. and you adjust for whatever the metrics are, pretty much every state would support abortion rights, yeah. including a lot of red states. Like, we're talking a handful of Bible Belt ones that don't, but so, that's about it. So while I hate the prospect of having to go, like, gay marriage-style state-by-state state until the Supreme Court gets its shit together, but is that going to be our best path forward? Like, getting is, more referenda? Is, yeah, is, <laughs> like, encouraging ballot. your our representatives to make it, like, like um... Illinois did. I don't think we need to wait. I mean, to get that sort of ballot uh, question on a ballot, Mm -hmm. it takes a really long time to happen. The faster path to getting abortion rights would be keeping the House, getting two more sane Democrats in the Senate. Um, You could do it come January if Mm. the vote happens, if everyone gets pissed off about it in the same way Kansans just did. Sure and they vote accordingly in November, Mm -hmm. it could be a national thing. Like, that's the first bill you do with the new Congress. Right. Codify abortion rights nationwide. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to wait for the Supreme Court to, to, you know, do anything. Mm -hmm. You can just make it a law fast. Okay. Was the, um, remind me, was the primary in Illinois before after? the decision um it was you know what i don't know really close everything before yesterday is a blur no completely same but i'm just curious about like i, I think it it must have been it after must, it must have been after right because i that ruling was after the election the ruling happened first and then the oh, see i thought the opposite happened. i could be wrong Whatever. i mean we both have devices that could tell us the answer i am on a side note i'm totally amazed by how bad Darren Bailey, the Republican, uh, his entire campaign is... Who the fuck is that? He's the Republican running for governor in Illinois. Oh. And, like, people are just like, here's a post he made three years ago comparing abortion to the Holocaust. Hmm. Straight face, doesn't even, like... It's not a campaign ad. He's just standing there like, yep, this is as bad. Uh, you think the Holocaust is bad. Yeah. Abortion. Let me tell you. And everyone's you. like, holy crap. I know you think this works for you in your conservative Christian circles, Mm -hmm. that talking point Mm -hmm. that, you know, abortion is a genocide. I'm sure that sounds nice in church, but in the real world, everyone is horrified by that comparison because it's not a good one. Yes. And and so they just kept it up. It's... It, it, it's shameless. It's shameless. It's wild. It's pathetic. So I kind one is thing I do. The, Welcome to the most violent place in the country and the billboards on 294. Is that I the wouldn't same be guy? surprised. That might be the other Republican he ran oh, against okay. who also lost. But, I really blocked those um, out. Darren Bailey is the guy who, after the mass shooting up uh, on in the Highland north Park? side in Highland, uh, in Highland Park, was like, let's move on. Like two oh. minutes after the shooting. And in a campaign video. Yeah, it sounds like he's he, just uh, a bad candidate. Uh-huh. And Republicans have no choice but to like get behind this guy. Yes. Yeah. Maybe Pritzker's great. gonna like like him or not, and like whether he's a rich guy or not. I do not. Uh, 
guys doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm surprised by how much there was. I think I saw an article about like, yeah, he's a billionaire and we're socialists. Yes, but yeah, he's not the worst. Rule that like Hemet just did a shrug <laughs> that encapsulated my whole feeling about it. Of like, yeah, yeah, you know what? If you're gonna be a billionaire, be as good as you can be while still being a billionaire, which means you're ethically compromised anyway. But yeah. Thanks for codifying abortions. Um, Is it codifying or codifying? We say codifying, it differently. Codifying. You're okay. right. Do you say codifying? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's I honestly talk didn't about, mean to call you out. I thought um, we just said it differently. That was the second most important story. Uh, let me talk about the most important story that is going on this week, and that is the plight of Christian furries who are... Excuse me. Uh, yeah. I did that while you were adjusting the mic. Christian, Christian furries. furries. Yes. Okay. I, I want to be clear here. Uh-huh. I am not making fun of furries. No, no, no. I no, no, do no, no, not no, no, kink no. shame. I don't care. Whatever makes you happy. These are the people that wear costumes oh, because yeah, they represent who you here. are. Um, and apparently there are Christians who are part of the subculture. Uh-huh. And they're very worried. Apparently, according to an article in Religion News Service, um, these are conservative Christians. And I'm going to quote here. Christians in the furry community are cautious about who knows about both their furry and faithful selves. Hmm. Christian furries interviewed for this story, including leaders of the group that calls itself the Christian Furry Fellowship, asked to be anonymous, fearing doxing from within the larger secular furry community for their Christian identity and ostracization from their professional lives for their furry hobby. Okay, wait, 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 wait. okay, I want to back to that first one. They're afraid. They're afraid of ostracization <laughs> from their community. I said I mean, it. Fine. I do understand that in your work lives, in your family 100%. lives, if people found out you were a furry, they might have yes. thoughts about you. A hundred percent. A lot of furries I, feel I respect the same people way. People want to keep that private. That's yes. fine. Now, is this perceived persecution based in any reality of among theirs? No. I, okay. As far as I could tell, this is all hypothetical. They're like, we we have these costumes. These are our personas. Uh-huh. But if people found out that we were Christian, they would not like us. And they're going to dox us because they don't like us. They hate us. They're persecuting us. And so, so they, this is just a I'm, hypothetical fear that they have. It's a hypothetical that fear. Start, that was, did something happen that's similar? Did somebody get doxxed in a kink community? <laughs> not, no, I'm genuinely asking, like, knowledge. is this a thing that they have to be concerned about? Or is this no, just, I, we this, haven't gotten attention in a couple of minutes? In this article, there was no example of anyone doing that. And actually, that made sense to me because I'm like, the one thing I know about, like, those types of subcultures is they are extremely inclusive. That's kind of what it's all Super built on. Inclusive. So, like, they might not like your religious beliefs or disagree with them at the very least, but they're not about to, like, shame you Unless, for what like, you are. Are you proselytizing <laughs> in the furry space? Because that they... feels inappropriate. Let's talk about that. Oh, so... <laughs> oh, did I accidentally put my finger on the button? Yeah. So they literally, if you go to the Christian Furry Fellowship website, which mm. I spent a lot of time on this week, oh boy. Uh, they specifically say evangelizing is part of what they do. <laughs> In con- at furry cons. Maybe, yeah, or at least within that community. communities, okay. Yeah, um, so, and this is the part in the article that really got to me. Like many conservative Christians, mm-hmm. the members of Christian Furry Fellowship believe that engaging in same-sex sexual relationships is wrong. But having 
homosexual oh. feelings alone is not. Like they so they what? followed the lines and the beliefs of evangelical churches, hey, Hannah, which is being I? gay is not wrong. Uh-huh. Acting on it is very wrong. Uh-huh. And you're going into a very sex positive, mm-hmm. all inclusive. Yeah. Can I maybe reframe yeah. their fear? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that people aren't going to like them because they're Christian. I think people aren't going to like them because they're big fat pho- homophobes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a community... And sound terrible. ...that is about a third atheist and agnostic. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, and good a, for us. That is according to furry researchers, which we're actually we're overrepresented in the kink community. That feels good. <laughs> and a lot of, uh, like, the vast majority of non-atheist agnostics and non-Christians, like, non-atheist. that's the okay. majority of right. the furry base. Right. They are not... Christian, by and large, they're mm-hmm. certainly not conservative Christian. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Mm. If those people come into this subculture and what? Try to evangelize, try to tell them they're wrong for being gay or acting on it or being in a same sex mm-hmm. relationship, you bet I'm not going to dox you, but I am going to judge you. Yeah. I, am, I don't want to be around you. It truly is this wild. Unless you're a hypocrite. Fear this that is not they a Ted Hagger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I just feel like there's this wild sense of that Christians have gotten for a long time, and especially since COVID, of it's not enough that they can do what they want, where they want. They, it seems to me that they expect to walk into a room and like change the tenor of the room yeah, and make sure is, everybody sort of acknowledges and is respectful to them. Um, did I talk about the couple in the Italian restaurant who came I in with the no Jesus shirts? Oh, vaguely, maybe. I think I texted you about it. Mm. Mikey and I were at dinner at this Italian place, and two people walked in in shirts, kind of like I'm wearing, just like a regular, mm-hmm. like graphic, like a regular T-shirt with just Jesus and giant letters across the front. They're different colors, but same font. And so Mikey and I were like, "Okay, are they like coming from a camp? Or are they coming from a retreat?" <laughs> Um, so we were at sitting at the bar, um, and the manager walked by. I was like, hey, is there, like, a Christian event going on here? And she was like, oh, no. Um, no, I don't think so. But I was like, I was just wondering, like, those two people. She was like, oh, maybe there's an event. I'm going to investigate. Yeah. So now I have the gossip mail at work. Yes. Anyway, it turns out they were just there for a birthday party. They just really like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then I saw their car. I'm going to post that picture on the Facebook group <laughs> because their car is Something else. You go ahead and keep talking. I'm sure. going to pull up the picture. Um, I was thinking when I heard about the Christian furries who do want to evangelize, they oh, yeah. said their Christian goal furries. was to present a different face of their faith to their fellow furries. Oof, that was quite a, uh, <laughs> but I thought an of, alliteration yeah. run they went on. I thought of like the log cabin Republicans who are like, sure. we want to go to Republican spaces to make them more accepting of LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. And everyone who's not them laughs at them because it's like, what are you doing? No one wants you there in the Republican party. They (laughs) actively vote against your best interests. Like all of the time. All of the time. I'm sure you think they're making inroads or something, but they're not. They, they active, like if you want to give them money to have a booth or you want to say, Hey, we're going to get gay people to vote for Republicans. I'm sure they'll be like, sure. Come on in. Yeah. And then they're going to vote against you. And like, everyone knows this except the log cabin Republicans Mm -hmm. who finally this week in Texas, I think after they passed a very clear anti-gay platform, Uh the log cabin Republicans are like, yeah, maybe they don't like us. They finally admitted this. They finally admitted it. 
But I thought of the that when I was thinking of the Christian furries. It's like, listen, if you're a Christian and you want to be a furry and you want to be part of that community, mm-hmm. that's fine. If you're going to go in there with your Christian bigotry uh-huh. and try to push that yeah. in any way on these people, or even yeah. if you don't, you just walk in there thinking, eh, I don't think you should have the right to get married or that you're going to be eternally tortured because you decided to have consensual sex with someone. Truly the like, fact that Christians are like, here. I don't know why gay people don't like Christians. We're so nice to them. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys. Don't go to the furry community and try to preach to them. Right. Go Go to your churches and, and try to make furries. them, yeah, make them more accepting of people who don't act or think like yeah, them. Be brave. That would be a better use of everyone's time. And at the best part about that, you're leaving the furries alone. Yeah, yeah. Be Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you ready for this um, sprinter van? It looks like that they okay, drive around. Okay, this is the car that Jesus people were driving in. I'm looking. Let's see. In, what do we get? Is, oh, grab it from my arm. It. Is a giant van. It's like a black sprinter van, I think. Yeah, and it just has Jesus painted on the side of it. Like that's the first thing I would see. Yeah, no matter what and a angle. Giant American flag on the back, and mm-hmm. it's their thing is striking the ground for revival. JesusRevivalNowUSA.com. And they just casually drive around in this. All right. I don't think anything can be done casually in this van, <laughs> but they do drive around in it when one expects. But you know what? They know their brand, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let me talk about this article that made me, like, inf- it infuriated me when I read it. Okay. And I was sad because, one, it's posted on MSNBC's website. Oh, no. It was posted by someone who is an atheist. Okay. And acting, like, in good faith. I'm going to assume everything in here is good faith. This Here's is the argument. Great sign. Um, the columnist is Zishan Alim. A former Muslim, now non-religious, and he said, he, "I'm going to try to wrap up the uh, summarize what he was saying because it was a very long article." Okay, but he basically said he's calling for a new style of atheism because there's a lot of problems in our country, and if we had a different kind of atheism, we could respond to a bunch of problems at once. Okay, problem number one. There are two big ones he brought up. Problem number one, obviously, Christian nationalism. We need to push back against Christian nationalism, and it would be great if, you know, more atheists could try to, you know, ring the bell of secularism Mm -hmm. and why we do live in a secular country and want to live in a secular country. and why it's good for everybody to live in a secular country. I totally agree. I'm with you there. Fine. The second point he wanted to make is kind of the bowling alone theory. Like, because... We are becoming more isolated and we don't hang around in communities of Mm -hmm. any kind like we used to. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing a decline of religion. And that means few. I mean, we know that the number of nuns keeps going up. People wanting nothing to do with organized religion keeps going up. But that means if you're not part of a church community, regardless of their beliefs, that's you just lost one thing that people used to do fairly regularly that gave him a sense of belonging and oh, purpose sure. and all of that. Socialization. And so he's saying a new kind of atheism would step in to fill in that gap of this loss of community. So I'm going to read what he wrote here. There's been an an accelerating American drift away from organized religion and most often toward nothing in particular. That is true. A rapidly increasing share of Americans are detaching from religious communities that provide purpose and forums for moral contemplation, and not necessarily finding anything in their stead. 
They're dropping out of church, and survey data suggests they're disproportionately likely to be checked out from civic life. Hmm. Okay, I don't disagree with that either. I do agree that is an issue. You want people to be part of something bigger mm-hmm. than themselves because mm-hmm. loneliness in any sense, even if you want it, right. it's not great. Right. You know? So I'm, I'm with him on all of this. Here's where he then tries to propose a solution okay. to both of these two issues that he brings up. Mm-hmm. An organized atheist community can help agitate for and finance like a secular equivalent of the Federalist Society, which handpicks all the Republican judges. Oh. Um, atheists who consciously believe in their worldview have a particularly urgent interest in helping to lead a legal and political movement to protect against theocracy. So this is part of where I'm like, okay, here's how I know you haven't done any research. Yeah. That's my problem with this. First of all, we don't have the kind of money that you would need to get that shit together. Right. There, Guess what? There is a humanist legal society that does exactly what he's saying, which he would have known had he done any research. Really? They don't have any money. They can't pull the sort of shenanigans that the Federalist Society does. Right. It's not just a clout thing. It's, it's relatively new. But in order to hold gatherings about with legal minds who support church-state separation uh-huh. or to put in the resource, they don't have a staff to run this sort of thing separately. Mm-hmm. So, again, that goes back to money. But the point is, this group exists. There are other left-wing attempts to respond to the Federalist Society that just don't have traction. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. You can unite the right-wing, like, legal scholars. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all going to be against abortion and civil rights. We're cool with that? Yeah, Great. pro-gun, anti-everything yeah. else. How do you unite progressive? You can't You unite... Look at the Democratic Party. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and AOC are in the same political party. Right, right. That shouldn't make any sense, but that's the reality of a big tent party. Right. Whereas on the Republican side, you have a couple of anti-Trump Republicans, yeah. and they just got voted out of their primaries. Right. Like, they're pretty monolithic in this sense. So, like, it's a bad idea because it just can't feasibly happen yeah. the way he wants it to happen. So when it comes to, I wish atheists would push back against church-state separation, like, or, sorry, push back against Christian nationalism. We are. Yeah. We lack some money. We yeah. lack the resources like yeah. the right has. But it's not like we aren't doing it. By the way, he also says, like, we need broad support for church-state separation. Yeah, we do. Guess what? All the atheist, specifically atheist legal groups, mm-hmm. the, the American Atheist Freedom from Religion Foundation, when they work on legal cases, mm-hmm. when they file amicus briefs to the Supreme Court, they do so with progressive religious organizations. Right. I'll give you an example of this. We talked about a case in Maine where they were using taxpayer money. The Supreme Court said if you're using taxpayer money to fund private schools, mm-hmm. then you got to pay for sectarian religious schools too. Horrible decision. Yeah. Who wrote a brief... On the other side of that, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, Mm -hmm. the ACLU, the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, the American Humanist Association, the Hindu American Foundation, (laughs) the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and the Sikh Coalition. That was one brief that they all signed on to together because they know church-state separation is good for all of us. So on that issue, like, dude, it's already happening Mm -hmm. 
so it's not like no one's thought of this before. Like, if only atheists could push back against Christian nationalism. What do you think we've all been doing this whole time? This feels like... That's part one. This feels like when somebody's like... Where's that actor been for the last 15 years? He hasn't been in anything. And it's like, uh, he's been he, on 20 shows. Right, he's been on a network sitcom. Just because you don't watch ABC <laughs> right. doesn't mean this person was dormant. Don't you have object permanence? But like, th- it feels like the same thing. Like, I sure wish somebody would do this. And it's yeah. like, did you check? Part two of this. By, here, I'm quoting from Aline. Wait, can I, before yeah, you get please. into part two, I, I think the prob- another problem I have here is that, and I think you sort of put your your finger on it about the Republicans are like, yep, okay, we're anti-civil rights, we're pro-guns, we're anti-abortion. Cool, we're all on board for that. The problem is we don't necessarily want, I don't think we want that kind of monolith because I don't think we could ever get a monolith as far left as what (laughs) I think we could actually do. And I, I just, I mean, I just worry, like, yes, the Republican Party is and I'm using big air quotes, successful in its mission of gaining and retaining power. But I'm a little reticent to like model our playbook after that. But then of course... (laughs) Let's copy the tactics of the worst people. Yeah, but then of course they're winning. So so me and my morals will go shut up. The idea that atheists are not already doing this thing that he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, they are. I, I literally reached out to a bunch of atheist lawyers I know. And I'm like, do you have any response to this? And honestly, the response I got back from a lot of them was like exasperation. Like, yeah. what, what do you think I do all day? Right, right. <laughs> okay, part two of this article. When he said Who we... this guy, by the way? Uh, is he like anybody of note? Um, I haven't read his articles very much, but uh-huh. he is a columnist for MSNBC's website. And Zishan he is an atheist. Alim. Yeah. And by the way, again, I, no awesome. one should attack this guy. Um, oh, God, no. He wrote this in good faith. Yeah, I think yeah. he is wrong in the premise. Here's the second thing he said. How do you respond to the lack of community because uh-huh. we are losing organized religion? Right. People are walking away from it. He said we need secular spaces that provide the benefits of religion without God. He wrote, by putting together study groups, communities for secular meditation, and elucidating the meaning and joys of atheism without spewing venom toward all religion, atheists can build spaces for religion-skeptical people to find purpose, think about ethics, form community, and consider more carefully how to build a better society. Atheists should create deliberate communities, dot, dot, dot. Atheists should form secular meditation groups, dot, dot, dot. We did. We did. We did. That's, yeah. Uh, okay, listen. Anyone who's paid attention to the what world of organized atheism Sunday for services 15 that they used to years. Do? Yeah, there is the Sunday Assembly. Sunday I think that's assembly, the one you're yeah. talking about. There's a group called Oasis Mine that has different groups everywhere. Yeah, I spoke there. Yep. What? They exist specifically not to tear down religion, but mm-hmm. to provide an alternative for atheists who like that sort of thing. Yeah. There are communities for secular meditation and dealing with addiction without resorting to religion, like mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous. There are a network, there's a network of secular therapists. There's a charitable organization that does good without God. They all exist. They've been doing this work for years, if not decades. Mm-hmm. Like, 
also, they all need financial support. Secular humanism is an entire idea built off of what this guy is asking for. So Uh I was like, who do I know that helps create, build, maintain secular communities? Uh And I thought of Greg Epstein, the chaplain at Harvard and MIT, who's been doing this about as long as anybody. And I'm like, what do you think about this suggestion? Because I know you've been doing this for a while. Here's what he wrote to me. After having personally spent well over 10,000 hours and well over a million dollars of donors' money to help mobilize Hmm. thousands of non-religious people toward popular, positive, community-oriented programs, I've come to the conclusion that it's not really fair to ask us atheists as social entrepreneurs to turn water into wine. Hmm. Yes, we do great work, and it's very important for people to continue to back that work financially and with time and moral support. But what America really needs? Leaders and citizens who can learn to sacrifice for one another to build a more compassionate, inclusive, and equitable society, honoring all rational beliefs, religious and secular, along the way. Mm -hmm. As in, don't pin this on us. Mm -hmm. Like, we're doing our job. We need more resources. But you should be asking this of everybody to build community. And and that's what I would like to add. I think that's an important part is that I understand that he is looking for a banner to to collect atheists under, which I respect and agree. I mm-hmm. wish for the same thing. I simply don't think we have enough in common as a group to, you know, I think secular... To unite under everything. Exactly, that we can get everybody to agree with us. We're famously, like, herding cats. Yeah. I, and I think the other thing is that there are a lot of secular people doing a lot of good work and pushing for good scientific causes and fact-based stuff, but aren't but we're not doing it to push atheism. Whereas a lot of people who do uh, Christian volunteer work or Christian groups, the theme is they're Christian. The they theme are united is by that glue. The, and so, like, I work for a nonprofit company, and like the women I work with and I do a lot of good, but we're not like doing it pushing towards something. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Like a lot of the things he's calling for, the community building and all that. Yeah, atheist groups are doing it and they're not doing it in order to advertise godlessness. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm with you there. The other thing Ali mentioned in his article is criticizing the new atheism movement. Mm. Um, He says, you know, I I found that the new atheist caricatured religion and neglected to consider all the nuances of religious belief and the positive role it could play in people's lives. Um, Okay, if the criticism is you're really mean to religion, you are just so focused on religion is evil, religion poisons everything, Mm -hmm. to quote Hitchens, you neglect to say, like, okay, even outside the irrational stuff, there's a lot of good here. Which, guess what? You're not the first person to say that. Fucking seriously. There's no shortage of atheists who have criticized the new atheists, quote-unquote, for those positions. And again, like... If you talk, like, listen to this. If, up, your fear, this if your fear is right now, the current atheist movement takes its cues from people like Dawkins or uh, Sam Harrison. Stuff. Oh, don't I, get it twisted, my dude. It's that's just not the case. It's not 1998. The, last weekend, uh, the Skepticon convention uh, mm. was held in Missouri, and one of the panels they had featured some of the leaders of like the Secular Student Alliance and the American Humanist Association and American Atheists, three of the bigger atheist groups in the country. Uh-huh. And one of the things they noted is the current leadership of these groups. Okay. We're talking about people of color. Uh-huh. We are talking about a person who's gay. Mm-hmm. We are ta- multiple people who are gay. <laughs> like 
those are the leaderships of the groups. If you look at the things that they are focusing on, the projects they're doing, mm-hmm. they are not the things that like are about building atheism. They're not putting up billboards right. like Silverman used to back in right. the day. They're working on community building and making the world a better place for everybody mm-hmm. under church-state separation banners and yeah. things like that. So it's like, again, that's just one group I happened to watch over the weekend. Right. And it's like to say to think that today's atheists are all taking their cues from those guys. It's, it's like, look, forget the criticism. Yeah, forget the criticisms we have about those people. Yeah. That's just not the reality. And if you spoke to the organizers, if you looked at any of these things, you would know that a lot of the groups, they are more inclusive of women. Mm. They're more inclusive of people of color. They work with religious groups when it comes to shared interests. It's not that they're ignoring the problems with religion. Right. It's that there are other issues that unite us all that, that are strategically better for everybody, too. I think the thing that people don't necessarily understand still, which is a little surprising to me if you're even on the fringe of the atheism movement, is that we're not... We're past the thing where we just sit around and talk about how dumb religion is. Like, that's not... Like, I think when, you know, when I say that I host an atheism podcast, I think that's people's first thing. It's like, oh, you just sit there and talk about how dumb religion is? And it's like, no, I don't give a shit about how dumb religion is. I yeah, like repetitive right. podcast. But at the same time, I do think in the 90s or whenever the God Delusion and all those things came out, at that did, moment... Did you say the 90s? Wasn't it in the 90s? You're like a decade and a half off. When did it come out? 06. Okay, first of all, it's not a decade and a half. I didn't say <laughs> 1990. I said the 90s. Jesus decade Christ. Off. Everybody calm down. Um, <laughs> in 2003, when the um, I think there that was a moment that called for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was a, a you know a post push, 9/11, post 9/11, George post W. George Bush. W. Bush. Yeah. I think people did were angry and are again, but were specifically angry at religion because at that point it was pretty much running roughshod over everything. Unlike now, unlike <laughs> now, which is much better, but they were doing it in much more subtle ways that yeah. were and so, we're better positioned now than we were back yeah, then because I, more people agree with our position right, right. on the threat. Like, religion, obviously religious I'm, extremism. Right, and obviously I'm no, I'm no fan of Silverman, but I'm glad we did those billboards. I'm glad they still do those billboards. Like, all of it is important, I think. All of it is valuable. Maybe not all of it, mm-hmm. but, like, everything is... Everything putting a positive name on, like, atheism and humanity and science and fact-based everything, all of that's good work. We're just not trying to convert people into atheism. It's yeah, not interesting the, to me. Yeah, the tally mark is the the board of tallies is yeah. not behind me. Um in that MSNBC article, one thing I did take note of is like who did you talk to for this article? Cuz clearly the answer is no one. Um did it he was cite? it was two people, okay. two philosophers who were uh-huh. like they should do this. It's like you're not on the ground. You're not doing the work. You're sitting in like the ivory tower writing about here's what should happen. But you have no idea what's actually happening. Like This what is why do? everyone Don't. hates moral philosophy professors. <laughs> have you seen The Good Place or did you think I just I didn't? did not watch that show. Really? Yeah. I should. Everyone I, tells me really I will like should. it. You should. It gets into like philosophy in an actually interesting way mm-hmm. instead of a boring way. Yeah. Was that mean? No, philosophy it's is kind all of good. boring. It's all good. Um, Except for that thing. You know what blew my mind when I was 18 years old? You know the thing with uh, the the thought experiment of, okay, if you have a boat, it's a wooden boat, and you replace one of the boards, it's the same boat. Ship of Theseus. 
fuck you. You're yeah. smarter than me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, when I was 18, that blew my fucking mind open. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I dropped out of that class. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. I think I finished it. Right, let's talk about the IRS. So, Do you know? We more talked about boring this. than philosophy. <laughs> we just keep things exciting here. <laughs> um, I think we mentioned this last week that yeah. the Family Research Council, a right-wing hate group, Christian mm-hmm. hate group, they dec- they're a nonprofit group that wants to promote whatever conservative Christians want. Fine, whatever. They reclassified themselves oh. as a church so that yes. the IRS, because the one thing is like all nonprofits, you, you don't have to make like... You don't, you can fill out a tax form for the IRS. Uh-huh. You can make donors can give money to you and they're rewarded for it on their taxes. That's a good thing. We want people to donate to nonprofits. Yeah. So they, there's an incentive for that. In return, you have to fill out some paperwork with yeah. the IRS that says, this is how much money we took in. This is where it went. This is what our top leaders get paid. Mm-hmm. It's transparent. Like sure. people should know where their donations are going. That's the social contract we have with nonprofit groups. Right. But if you're a church, for whatever reason, none of those rules. None apply. of those rules apply. You don't have to be transparent about money. That's why we don't know how much some of these mega church pastors get paid. Of course. Because they don't have to tell anyone. Well, we can kind of tell by their shoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the weird thing is, it's one thing for church. I mean, that's been around for a while. Sure. It shouldn't be. We right. could fight about that. There have been lawsuits <laughs> over that. Right. But that's for churches. Right. Family Research Council is a nonprofit group. They're like the NRA or ACLU or Planned Parenthood. It's not a church. But now, Except. according to ProPublica uh, in an article last week, um, they recently asked the IRS to call them a church. And the IRS said, okay. We talked about this. Uh, it doesn't make any sense because, like, who's your minister? You know what? And it's the head of the group. Somebody like, tweeted at me a quote of mine that said, sorry, I'm Googling, am I a church? And a lot of times people <laughs> will Google quotes of mine at me, and I'm like, I don't know what this means, <laughs> but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, Go ahead. <laughs> we talked about this also because they're not alone. Focus on the family. Famous nonprofit pushing conservative Christian bigotry. They're now also a church. You know why? Because their employees are considered ministers, and its members are the con- uh, congregation. And they were like, well, do you have a place of worship? They literally wrote on the form, yep, our cafeteria. Like, Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Are you kidding? They're like, do you have elders? Wait. Well, we have our board of directors. This is the bullshit they are saying, and the IRS is saying, all right, yeah, I guess Yeah, this sounds now. great. Wait, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. wait, this is a so, mess. Why do I bring this up? Um, I should point out the watchdog, church watchdog uh, website Ministry Watch said this is a growing trend. They wrote, among the 50 largest Christian ministries in the country mm. who have decided to call themselves churches, they include Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, crew, the Navigators, Gideons, the Bible in the hotels people, Willow, <laughs> Willow Creek Association, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Joyce Meyer Ministries, um, like, oh boy. and also the in organizations and individuals, like their ministries include like Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland. They run ministries, but they are not a church in and of themselves, yet they are getting away with calling themselves churches. Okay, why do I bring all this up? Because 40 Democrats this week wrote a letter to the IRS, and this is 
uh, led up by Jared Huffman of California, the okay. only humanist in Congress. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Susan Delbene, Delbene, one of those two. She's also a Democrat from Washington. Sorry. Um, but they sent a letter signed by 40 Democrats mm. to the Treasury Secretary and the IRS Commissioner saying, you need to review your own rules about who can be a declared a church right. and then enforce them. Yeah. Here's what the letter said. Family Research Council claiming to be a church strains credulity. FRC is one example of an alarming pattern in the last decade. Right-wing advocacy groups self-identifying as churches and applying for and receiving church status. Dot, dot, dot. Tax-exempt organizations should not be exploiting tax laws applicable to churches to avoid public accountability and the IRS's examination of their activities. We urge the IRS to swiftly review the tax-exempt status and whether there are other political advocacy organizations that have obtained church status, but do not satisfy the IRS requirements for churches, dot, 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 like, and improve the review process yeah. for anyone who asks you for this, and determine whether the existing guidance is sufficient to prevent abuse. Basically, Good. do your damn job. That's it. Yeah. It's not an anti-Christian letter. It's saying just follow your own rules. I, That's it. Need, it's very sensible. We just need the rules to be clear mm-hmm. so we can all abide by them together. John Oliver last week tonight famously is like the IRS's sure. rules for churches are so weak. There's like 14 items. Mm-hmm. And if you can check off most of them, mm-hmm. you get to be a church. And he's like, well, you need to worship regularly. Well, we meet every Sunday night. Right. And he just, do we have a congregation? I have a studio audience. And they're like, we could be a church. And the IRS said, yes, to that. Like, it's that easy So the Democrats are saying, just come on, do your job. By the way, I should say the Inflation Reduction Act that is on the verge of being passed right now has, I think, a major, uh, what is it, $80 billion that would go to the IRS to help with enforcement of their own rules. Good. I don't know if that would apply necessarily to this particular thing, but what do you think Family Research Council said in response to the Democrats' letter to the IRS? Christian persecution? Yep, basically. Uh They said, Tony Perkins says, they want to silence all religious organizations. And then he nitpicked their letter saying, they're calling us a church. We are not a church, he said. What we are is an association of churches. Let me explain this for a second. That's even worse. Family Research Council's argument is, well, we work with a lot of churches, so we're declaring ourselves an association of churches. That applies to, like, a ministry with a lot of tentacles and a lot of churches. He just happens to be buddy-buddy with a bunch of church ministries, and they work in conjunction with each other. You're not the umbrella organization for them. You're not like the Southern Baptist Convention with a lot of independent churches, and you oversee them and stuff. No, you're just a group that exists that happens to work with conservative churches. You are not an association. They don't revolve around you Anyway, I feel like this is like the business equivalent of when you study abroad in London for a semester and come back with an accent of like, (laughs) just because you were near the thing for a minute doesn't mean that you're the same thing, right? Yep. Or like those things when like a cat thinks he's a chicken because he was raised by a hen or whatever. Like, this is truly what it feels like. Like, I appreciate that you think that you're part of this thing, but you're fundamentally not. This is a... 
very disturbing story. It just came out uh, as we're recording this uh, earlier today. Oh, uh, I'm changing the subject. I'm here sorry, for I a thought second. you meant sorry. it came out as we were recording, mm-hmm. as if you were doing live reporting. I am as doing we've live been reporting. No. Um, But here's the backstory to make sense of this. It involves the Mormon church. Oh, boy. Um, If you are a member of the church and you go to your bishop and you say, I have this problem and I need to talk to you about it, fine. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. If the bishop isn't sure what to do or the problem is so serious Mm -hmm. that he's like, I need to ask the higher-ups for advice here, Mm -hmm. um, it turns out there is a phone number they can call. It's like a 24-hour helpline. That's their words for it, a helpline. Um, and we've known about this for many years. Obviously, this has been going on, I think, since like 1995. Okay. But it really got uh, taken to task several years ago because we've talked about this. If a social worker or school counselor finds out you were sexually abused, mm-hmm. they have a duty to report that Mm-hmm. to the authorities. Did you know I'm a mandated reporter now? Oh, Be- you are too. I am also as a coach. Reporters. Yeah. So those are mandated reporters. And we've talked a bunch about how religious figures, mm-hmm. like a Catholic priest who takes confession. Are actively exempt. Yeah, they're absolutely exempt from the rules. They do not have to. And even don't if they, want that Even rule. if a predator comes and says, I have a confession to make, I've done this horrible thing. Turn that dude in. Because their promise to God for them is more important than the safety of children. So that's cool and regular. So in the case of the Mormon church, if the bishop calls the helpline and says, well, this person just confessed to me what they did, what you want to have the other end of the line say is, well, you should talk to the police about that. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. The calls go to the Mormon church's law firm. They have a law firm, Curtin McConkie. That doesn't feel great. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, on uh, I know Vice News ran a piece on this. Others did too. But they basically said this helpline is designed, and I'm quoting here, to shield the Mormon church from potential lawsuits that pose a financial threat to the church. Mm. Basically, you call the number and you're like, someone just confessed to me what they did. And the call will tell you like, We'll look into it. You don't do anything. We'll handle it. And then they burn the paperwork, and then they do nothing. That's kind of the backstory to this. And it's like and people... And they're doing this in the name of protecting the church, which yeah. they see as their main duty. The last thing they want in the headlines is, you know, Mormon church member mm-hmm. did this to a child. So you know how when you're um, working at a high school and a kid comes up and is like, a teacher touched me inappropriately, and your first thought is, well, I have to protect the good name of South or whatever high school you worked at. Like, could you... For a fucking second, imagine that. Yeah, it would be crazy. Because that's what they're doing. That's what they're talking about right, right now. What's more important, the organization or the human involved, the yeah. victims involved? Right. So, and the thing is, if you call the church and they connect you to a church lawyer at that point, Yo. everything you say now falls under like attorney-client privilege. It's shielded from public... Oh, my uh, God. These fucking snakes. It's so insidious and obvious. That's that's one of the two... That's a backstory. I'm going to give you one more backstory. Oh, boy. In 2018, the Mormon church settled a lawsuit that a couple of plaintiffs filed against them. What happened is a man named uh, Christopher Michael Jensen, allegedly, um, abused children in the church. He was their babysitter and... He abused these kids. And the story that the plaintiff said is that we told church leaders he was doing this. They didn't act on it. Because they didn't act on it, this man kept working alongside kids. More victims 
were created Mm -hmm. because the church didn't step in to do anything. And by the way, that was in West Virginia, and surprisingly to me, in West Virginia, even church leaders are mandated reporters, but no one did anything about it. So that was a big deal Um, in 2018. uh, He was eventually arrested in uh, 2013. Then the lawsuit was filed. This guy is now serving a prison sentence of over three decades. He'll spend the rest of his life behind bars. Good, good, good. But the part of that is like they settled this case. Mm -hmm. The Mormon church did. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those settlements where it's not released to the public. We don't know all the details of the (laughs) settlement. So that's where today's story comes in because uh, the Associated Press, Michael uh, Resendez, who was also one of the reporters who did Spotlight, uh, Mm. the Catholic Church, the Boston Globe way back when. Yep. Uh, He (laughs) just put out a report basically saying uh, the Associated Press got a hold of those records from the West Virginia case, okay. like 12,000 pages of documents from that case in West Virginia. And the story that he's telling involves the Mormon church's helpline because we found out really? a lot about how that helpline works. And the story revolves around a different family where a father, uh, sorry, this is, the details, yeah. so you feel free to uh, skip ahead to the next story. A father uh, sexually abused his five-year-old girl. Um, he then admitted all this to the bishop uh, in his Mormon church that he was sexually abusing and her. And now he's in jail? The bishop called the hotline. No one found out what happened. The abuse then continued for seven years. Jeez. By the way... The guy had another kid. Sorry, this is even worse. So turn off your ears or whatever. The guy had another child. Mm. And within um, like a matter of, sorry, I think this is right. Six weeks, he was abusing that child. Not only that. Wait, 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 wait. He had a baby? He had a baby. The baby was six weeks old. And he was sexually abusing a six-week-old baby? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not only that, he was videotaping all of it. No. He was uploading it, sharing it online. It was horrible. This all happened after he confessed to the bishop, and they called the helpline, and nothing happened. And that's where this story goes. This is a true story? Yeah. This sounds like... A boogeyman, Mm -hmm. like, invented to scare people. I'm going to read from the article for a second. The documents that they acquired offer Uh. the most detailed and comprehensive look yet at the so-called helpline. It's part of a system that can easily be misused by church leaders to divert abuse accusations away from law enforcement and instead to church attorneys who may bury the problem, leaving victims in harm's way. And the bishops can sleep at night mm-hmm. because the, they did something. One attorney who has filed a, uh, lawsuits against the Mormon church said, the helpline is certainly there to help, to help the church keep its secrets Booyah. and to cover up abuse. Um, a bishop, so the, the dad in question here, he confessed to the bishop what he had done. The bishop uh, said in the documents that they acquired, the Associated Press, he said... The church basically told me, you absolutely can do nothing. Like, we'll take it from here. Okay. You don't do anything about it. And what's weird about this, like, how did they, how did all this come together or whatever? In New Zealand, 
officials there what? caught some guy who was downloading illicit sexual content online. Uh-huh. And one of those videos that this guy had... Is this guy? Was this guy. And they're like, holy crap, this is really bad. Oh. And so they sent it to the United States, to law enforcement here. Good. And they found a way to... Because Kiwis are better than all of us. Yeah. And in the U.S., law enforcement here figured out who the guy was. That's how this guy got arrested. So finally, many, many years after this all started, Mm. this dad got arrested. But keep in mind, it happened because some officers in New Zealand connected someone else's crime to this guy. And then U.S cops did like got this guy under arrest the mormon church had nothing to do with his arrest Mm -hmm. but they could have done something about it they chose not to because they were more interested in protecting their reputation well to be fair um kiwi cops probably are a little more like free and available because they're not constantly murdering their own citizens so they're not bogged down in the paperwork of it all can i actually uh shed light one more time on the man who took the dad's confession Mm. Because the bishop. The bishop. What did I say? Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the, so he reported it to whomever. He called the helpline. the powers that be. Spoke and they're to like, the attorneys of the church. And they said, let it go. We're going to take care of it. Pretty much. And this man, I'm assuming, is part of this dude's like flock or whatever they call it in Mormonism. Um, the dad was... So, look, yeah. so after he... Took this confession, found out this man was abusing these children, told the powers that be, they said, we'll take care of it. And then however long, hap- like whatever amount of time lapsed between the confession or like him notifying mm-hmm. the hotline mm-hmm. and that guy getting arrested, that bishop the entire time in my mind is absolutely at fault. So the bishop's attorney in response to the Associated Press, the, the individual presses, bishop's the individual attorney, bishop's attorney okay. said... There was another bishop involved in this case, too. He's uh, Anyway, these bishops did nothing wrong. They didn't violate the law, and therefore, they can't be held liable. Uh, Their attorney's saying, we were just following orders from the church. Don't blame us. Technically correct. The best kind mm-hmm. of correct. Like, that's so embarrassing. Truly, like, if you are supposed to be a moral man of God, and you are skating on a technicality, what the fuck are you teaching people? Like, literally, are you like... If you don't actually physically hurt somebody, it's not that bad. But if you do that thing where, like, I'm not touching you, that's fine. Like, what are we trying to imbue in our people if it's not be honest and protect the vulnerable? Um, The article, the Associated Press reporter, Resendez, he also said in the documents they acquired that show kind of how this helpline works... Uh, records of the phone calls made to the hotline uh-huh. are destroyed by the end of every day. day? They, they really want no paper trail for any of this. And all calls that go to the church's lawyers are automatically covered by attorney-client privilege and remain out of the reach of prosecutors and victims' attorneys. So, like, if you were cool, designing... Mormon church, you're doing a really nice yeah. job in the community, as usual. If you were designing a system to keep allegations of sexual abuse in the church hidden from the public... Couldn't do much better. Couldn't do much better than this. Um, one other thing, this is not a revelation in the documents, but it was mentioned in the Associated Press article. Okay. Before the hotline was established in 1995, mm-hmm. bishops were told if someone reports an assault... Uh, to you or uh-huh. confesses it to you, 
You go to the police about that. Yeah, dog. This helpline only made things worse yeah. for the victims. Not the church. Like, never the church, but for the victims. Like, think of what they could do, the Mormon church, right now. They could say, we're going to get rid of this helpline completely, or revert back to our pre-1995 policies, or we could train staffers to report all allegations of abuse to secular authorities. They could do any of these things immediately. They're not going to because it's the church. But, and they don't give a damn about victims of abuse. Like, I'll, I'll leave you with two thoughts here. Okay. One is, like, I, if nothing else, I hope this stains the reputation that the church is, you know, the Mormonism yeah. is generally a good religion. Yeah. I like Mormons because I'm not blaming Mormons no, yeah. for this. The church is the problem. It's like the Catholic church too. Don't blame Catholics for the problems in the church. Blame the institution and the people Mm -hmm. who go along with it. But if you're still giving money to Mm -hmm. the church, like, all right, now you're complacent. This is what you're donating money to. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. One, I'll leave you with a positive note. I don't want to. The the guy that got arrested that did all this Mm -hmm. horrible stuff, he had six kids. His wife knew about what he was doing. She did not do anything either. Um, she was charged with child sexual abuse or complicity in it or whatever. She was sent to prison for like two and a half years. Okay. Um, the dad in question, I believe, was eventually arrested thanks to the Kiwis. Mm-hmm. Um, and b- before he could go to trial, though, he took his own life. So he's gone. Good. Um, the six kids, three of them, including the two we talked about, that infant child mm-hmm. and the, the then five-year-old who's now 16... They, oh, wow. I didn't realize that was yeah. our scope. Okay. Uh, three of the other kids uh-huh. live with relatives. Good. Um, those three in particular uh-huh. were adopted by three separate families, taken in by three separate families, and they seem to be doing fine. Good. Um, the youngest, the infant mm-hmm. daughter, mm-hmm. the family that took her in happened to also be Mormon, Ugh. and they were like, they didn't know exactly what happened to this child when they took her in, but they sat in during the trial of the mother, and that's when they found out what happened to the youngest child. And, and they're, here's what the new dad said. Mm-hmm. After learning what old dad did to their new daughter and the failure of the church to stop him, mm-hmm. uh, this is Matthew Whitworth, who's the new dad. Okay. We decided to remove our records from the church I personally couldn't continue to provide tithing money to a church that would allow young children to be abused and not do anything to prevent it. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, you wish Do you think we're in for another wave of 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 resignation? I hope so. What happened recently that there is a big wave of Mormons leaving? I can't remember. Something about gay marriage or, like, some bad decision on... Gay people, probably, yeah, sure I assume. Or black people. They're not remember. great on either of those particular yeah. topics. I hope it does. It, like, there is a method to leave the church for good. So if nothing else, if you're someone who definitely... It's the thing about um, your parents can't come to the, your wedding oh. if, you, if they're gay or you're gay. Something or anybody. Like if anybody's ever met a gay person, they can't go to church, <laughs> I think is what they said. Um, <laughs> like, if you're not really religious, but mm. you come from a Mormon family or something, please leave. Yeah. If, you're, if you have no it's... ties to them and no reason to still belong there. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you are a practicing Mormon, like, I'm not even telling you stop believing in God. Believe mm-hmm. what you want. Believe the institution. There's a way to get out of there. Stop supporting people that 
do stuff like this. If anybody is good at spinning off smaller religions out of their big religion, it's Mormons. <laughs> I believe that you all can find your Mormon faith outside of this structure. <laughs> Y'all have been doing it for years. Yes, it's almost always a horrible cult led by a <laughs> megalomaniac man, but I believe that you guys have the right idea. <laughs> Create new, fresher Mormon. Yeah, um, better Mormon. Better Mormon. Just call it good Mormon. Yes. Uh, this is a story out of Australia. They recently had an election, and they basically booted out their conservative yeah. uh, leadership. Yeah. A different party sure is in power. Sure fucking did. Yep. Good job, guys. And they, the, uh, there's a new prime minister, but there's also a new president of the Senate. It's like Mitch McConnell getting replaced by Chuck Schumer. Great. They have a new leader in the Senate. Her name is Sue Lines. And one of the first things she did, one of the first statements at least that she made, mm-hmm. is we should get rid of the Lord's Prayer that we use to open parliamentary sessions. Strong work. Yeah, she Strong told, opening bid. She told the Australian uh, newspaper, on the one hand, we've had almost every parliamentary leader applaud the diversity of the parliament. And so if we're genuine about the diversity of the parliament, we cannot continue to say a Christian prayer to open the day. Yeah. She added... Personally, I would like to see the prayers gone. I'm an atheist. I don't want to say the prayers. If others want to say the prayers, they're open to do that. So, like, she wasn't wasn't even saying, like, I want to unilaterally get rid of it. But, like, come on, you guys. You can't say we're all for diversity and then just we're going to push Christianity on you. By the way, we talked about this. Last month, Australia's Bureau of Statistics showed that 38.9% 38.9% of citizens have no religious affiliation at all. 44% are Christians. And the numbers are trending to Uh-oh. cross each other very soon. So, like, yeah, you shouldn't have a Christian prayer uh, at all. But, of course, after she made those comments, uh-huh. political conservatives in Australia were just whining about how, what, she's going to make our prayers private? One guy... I hate <laughs> praying in private. Jesus hates it, too. I think he said so in the Bible. Yeah, this is uh, a parliament member, Bob Catter, who said, uh, it is, is it an unreasonable thing to quote from a book that more than half the population is committed to? Yes. First of all, wait, 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 wait. more not, than half the population. Yeah, no, it's not that more than half the population. Like this number you told me. Uh uh-uh, uh. And also, even if they are, they're not committed to it. Like, th- I think even you can't say like just because there's fifty percent Christianity means all fifty percent of those people are like everybody needs to do our thing. It's like Ron DeSantis. I win the race with fifty point one percent of the thing, and, and I rule. Away. And I rule like a hundred percent. Like, more than half the population of Australia is not Christian. Right. But even if they were more than half the population, doesn't mean the government should be pushing Christianity on everybody else. governmental type? Don't, don't ask me that. I know. So, that was a really bad question. <laughs> this is another uh, conservative like the, okay. pundit, uh, Joe Hildebrand, who said this. The argument to get rid of the prayer represents the worst and most nauseating aspects of the upper middle class left. Oof. Uh-huh. And then he added, but obviously for an atheist, she has a bit of crusader zeal about her. Okay, calm down, sir. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, she called for secularism in government, 
and that's some kind of atheist crusade. Meanwhile, the advertisement for Christianity that's been yeah. going on forever is just the it's way it neutral. is. That's neutral. The way white men are neutral. <laughs> they have no identity. It's only when you make them black that they become an identity person. <laughs> Idiot. Though we've had this debate in the U.S. too. Mm-hmm. Between we have these numbers between 2000 and 2015, 15 year span. of the invocations in the house were Christian. 99.8% of the invocations promoted one of the Abrahamic religions. And when an atheist, Dan Barker... Sorry, Abrahamic is Christianity, Judaism, Muslim? Yeah. When an atheist applied to deliver the invocation and Mm -hmm. had the support of his congressman, Mm -hmm. um, got nowhere. They wouldn't allow him to do it, even though Mm -hmm. he met all the criteria. He was even an... a endorsed religious leader because back in the day he was a preacher. Hmm. So it's like, I have the paperwork that <laughs> says I'm a preacher too. They're like, no, you can't do it. Interesting. Um, and the DC Court of Appeals ruled that the House does not violate the Establishment Clause by limiting its opening prayer to religious prayer. So, like, even the courts were like, no atheists. <sighs> so, like, look, I know the US screws this up. Australia, you're so much better than us. <laughs> Go fix this while you can. And one other person mentioned, like, there are other issues we need to worry about in Australia, uh-huh. which is true, but no one is saying do this and avoid all your other problems. Uh, yeah. You could fix this in a minute yeah. and be done with it. It's, it's conservatives who are making this an issue. It's giving back time to the people. <laughs> right. right. It's a net positive, guys. Oh, anyway. Oh, I did have one last story I wanted to bring up. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I'm all... Hey, what happened in Iowa? Uh, nothing somebody happens in Iowa. sued Merrick Garland sued somebody. Was that Iowa? I have no idea what you're talking All about. All right, bye. So in uh, I have tried to figure out what the number of atheists are in federal prison for a while now. Oh yeah, and this I, is your pet project. It is a pet project. So I filed a FOIA request earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. I finally got my response Did for 2022, you? and the response is in the federal prison system there are 157,000 people, roughly, in the federal prison system. Mm-hmm. 134 of them are self-declared atheists. That is 0.09%. Less than 0.1% of the federal prison population. Do you know how they, what was their fact-gathering technique? No, I don't. And this is actually something I wish I knew. I wish I knew if they self-identified this way when they were first locked up. Is this something you fill out every year as part of an ongoing form? I don't know the oh, answer Oh, see, I was more interested in what was the context that they were giving this information. Like and is, what, I thought did it was they just, just paperwork they filed. Is it paperwork they filled out or were they talking to somebody? Because no, I bet that I, would make a big difference. Don't you think? Well, this is a thing that a lot of people pointed out, which is, well, in prison, there you get better treatment if you are religious, like literally, if you say you are Christian oh, in prison, 100%. you get time to do Bible study, yeah. which is a time to hang out with other people. You get time away to go to church, which is a nice change of pace. Well, and it gives you a community that's built in that's yeah. also protection. Like, and of if you're course. if you're trying to get parole and you're going to tell them, like, I'm a good person because I'm religious. Like, there's so many advantages to mm-hmm. not saying you're an atheist. So maybe this is an understated number. Mm-hmm. That may be true. I don't know. Um, I should say the American uh, Humanist Association argued you're giving religious people these privileges in prison for being religious, but atheists who wanted the same opportunities to Mm -hmm. meet with friends, to talk about philosophy, they did not get that opportunity. They sued, they 
they agreed to a settlement that said, we will acknowledge humanism is a religion for the purpose of our things. So beside the point. And we now know 61 inmates have chosen that option. They represent less than 0.04% of the federal population. So a couple things to keep in mind before you run with these numbers and do anything with them. Okay. Uh, We don't know why all these people ended up in prison. Right. Like it's not necessarily that they're immoral. This is the thing I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. I've seen people use these numbers to say, see, atheists are more moral because mm. atheists are like 4% of the U.S. population. Nuns are like 30, 40. Right. But atheists are like 4% of the population, and yet we're like less than 0.1% of mm-hmm. the prison population. That doesn't mean we're better people. You know what's so they lock people up for stupid reasons. You know what's so funny is that 10 years ago when I started work, writing for the Friendly Atheist, I am sure... I use that statistic as a way to bolster that atheists were better <laughs> or more moral There's or so many whatever. better ways to prove we're more moral. Yeah, this is not one of them. Yeah, it sucks, and I'm um, sorry I did that. <laughs> All of these religious affiliations are self-reported. We like sure. You don't know how many atheists fall under no preference or other or unknown. Yeah. There are benefits for inmates who are religious, so right. people might lie. Yeah, and like, That's are not these surveys anonymous? Yeah, we is don't know. one good question. They, I mean, they're clearly not because these are individualized forms. I think, like, we know are exactly they? per prison who's what. Um, so I don't think it's mean, fully oh, anonymous. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Uh, the data only takes into account the demographics in the federal prison system. Mm-hmm. There are way more prisons and prisoners at the state level. And I sure. could, have not been able to get that information. And I also don't know when these are acquired. Can you even do, th- like, is it there a, a, a state-based FOIA? Yeah, there is, and okay. it would be a lot more work. But I would point out, if you're looking for arguments for why atheists are more moral, mm. don't use this. Mm-mm. But I will quote something uh, sociologist Phil Zuckerman wrote in his book, What It Means to Be Moral. In terms of who supports helping refugees affordable health care for all, accurate sex education, death with dignity, gay rights, transgender rights, animal rights, and as to who opposes militarism, the government use of torture, the death penalty, corporal punishment, and mm. so on, the correlation remains. The most secular Americans exhibit the most care for the suffering of others, while the most religious exhibit the highest levels of indifference. Like, There are so many ways to prove atheists are moral if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't cite jail numbers to do it, but I do find the numbers interesting. They're interesting, and I also think that if you haven't watched um, the the documentary The 13th, that is something that everybody should do, and probably Attica as well, but mostly um, 13th, because... It's more complicated than that because Christianity, I believe, oof, I don't want to cite this off the top of my head, but I think uh, black people tend to be more religious on a whole than white people and are also majorly overrepresented in prison populations because ACAB. Um, So, like that, the thing is, like, it's just such a bad way to gauge for a million different reasons, not the least of which is, like, smoking weed is not immoral. Right. I will say, if anyone has any questions or things you would like to know mm. before I make the next request, like next year sometime, mm. let me know. Uh, if there's something you I should be another, asking that I'm not. Another FOIA for yeah. like 2023 numbers? Right, right. Or 2022 numbers? Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, that's all I got. That is? Where do we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke. Oh, I actually have a little bit of an announcement. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've told you this. Um, I am going to be shutting down my Etsy shop pretty soon. I have um, a couple outstanding orders 
who have been incredibly patient. And I'm so sorry, you guys. They're on their way this weekend. Um, I just with uh, starting to work um, at my new job, I just don't have the extra time. And when I have spare time, I want to do what I want to do instead of make <laughs> things for other people. And also, like, I've been trying to do cross stitch for Dot of Dottie for genuinely three years, and I would like to finish it sometime. <laughs> So anyway, I truly, if like you still want to buy something from me, you can reach out at friendly podcast at gmail.com. I'll still sell things like on a one-off basis. Also, Etsy is not a great company right now, and I'm just sort of tired of being associated with them. So anyway, those are all of my things. Hammett, where can right, we find you? You can find me at Hammett Meta on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Please, again, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support this show. Mm-hmm. And we will see you in the bonus episode. Oh, wait, wait, we before ta- we go. Oh, oh, oh. We got new mic. We're using different mics than we normally we do. If the sound is bad or good or different, will you let us know um, so we can make Adjustments. Adjustments. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll see, see you, you in next the bonus week. episode. Oh yeah. Bye. Bonus episodes. Bye. Oh.